scripture is Luke 21, 5 through 19. The destruction of the temple foretold. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown away. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be, be, be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. I'm tired of this. For weeks we have been hearing about Babylon coming in and taking over the people of God. We've heard about Assyrians coming in and taking over the people of God, how they have betrayed God, how they have worshipped. I'm getting depressed. When are we going to get to the good stuff? Two weeks, people. We get to Advent. And that's more time for preparation. Fortunately, when Easter comes, it's not just a day. It's a week-long season on the church calendar. It's also a forever attitude to be held and cherished in our hearts. But here we go again, right at the heading, the destruction of the temple. One more time. I'm acting like I don't pick which scripture to preach on. But they're all like that during this phase in the life of the church. So y'all pray for me and I'll pray for God's guidance. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the way it speaks to us at any time and through any season in our lives. Bless us. Once again, speak to us. Amen. Now, God has 
been speaking to us through all these readings, three, uh, through, through all these verses that we've heard for weeks. I hope you know that. And the Bible is telling us about the destruction of the temples. We've gone through the destruction of more than one temple in the last few weeks. And there are some theologians who would compare some of these verses, not all of them, to descriptions of the end times. But they are more personal to me. For a few weeks now, we've heard about the devastation of Israel. We've heard about the grief of Israel of how stones would be hurled down and the splendor of the temple would be lost, of sorrow being the only meal of God's people. And as difficult as these verses are to hear, I've needed to hear them. Many in our family In this family, where we care about each other, where we love each other, many among us have experienced great loss this last year, especially in the last few months. We've spent a lot of time on sorrow, some of us deeply so. As difficult as these verses have been, we can relate to them better than most. And in all of them, in all of them, without exception, there was a word of grace. I needed to know that God understands my sorrow, my grief, your sorrow, your grief. And these verses told me God understands. God hears and God knows. And God is present even when we don't know it. I needed to know that God's help is going to be there that God can get me through something I can't get through myself. In these verses, I hope it helped all of us to trust God a little more in painful, trying times. Today we hear about the coming destruction of the third temple built by Herod. And probably more for Herod's glory than for God's glory. Herod was praised for its grandeur. People came from all around to see it. And Christians living in this Jewish world still essentially a cult within the Jewish faith, 
seem to have everything in the world against them. The Bible says Christians will be persecuted. They will be mocked. The Bible says family member will turn against family member. The Bible says that Christians would be brought before the Jewish authorities, cast into prison, experience all kinds of persecution because they dare follow Jesus. There are countries in existence today where to follow Jesus means lesser jobs. It means death. If you want to appreciate freedom in these United States, then appreciate what you're doing right now, the freedom to worship. There are many countries where that is forbidden. Not just frowned upon, but forbidden. Again, it is as if God is writing these words just for us. Let me tell you about a young woman who visited her grandmother during spring break. All she did the entire spring break was complain and share bad news. Someone everybody loves to spend time around, you know? Her professors were mean to her. Boys didn't like her. I can kind of understand why. The, well, the, the weather was too cold. She was probably an Ohio State student. She, what? She couldn't get enough sleep and maintain her so, social life. This, folks, is where you're supposed to, to chime in and say, oh, poor baby. A little slow, but good, good. Yeah, couldn't maintain her social life because she couldn't, get, or she couldn't get enough sleep because of her social life. Well, Granny was underwhelmed, to say the least. She was also very wise. And while her granddaughter talked, she filled three pots with water. In one of them, she put a bunch of carrots. And in the second, she put an egg. And in the third, she put in ground-up coffee beans. Now, her granddaughter, throughout the time, just kept going. You know, the, the end of the universe, obviously, was imminent. It was imminent. Complaining, doubting, hashing it through, talking about all the bad things going on in the world. Well, Granny turned off the stove and put the carrots into a bowl and the egg into a bowl and just left the coffee in a pot. And she called her granddaughter over. 
And she said, take a look. Each of these faced the same adversity. They all faced hot water. The carrots went in strong, but they came out soft and weak. The egg went in protected, but the, hard, the hot water made it hard inside. The coffee, look what it did. It changed the water. Do you want to be carrots, eggs, or coffee? I read that story. And at first, I almost discounted it, thinking, ah, it's kind of juvenile. But then I realized the point it makes is anything but. These verses talk about adversity. We know about adversity. And you and I are called to change the water. To change the world around us. For the transformation of the world is part of our church's grand vision. And a great purpose supposed to be for our lives. Right now, we are living in hot water. This group shouting at that group, bigotry, racism. We, we have people who are, are in trouble with mental health. They're, we've got COVID. We, we've got physical concerns. We have war in Ukraine. We have synagogues under attack. We have Asian hate. We have everybody hate. We have school shootings and road rage, drug prices, inflation, homelessness, human trafficking. Police are under attack. On and on. And if you and I don't like the world we are living in, then we are the ones called to change the water. We're surrounded. They're coming at us from every side. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Dallas, didn't you know that? The sky is falling. But here comes Luke with a powerful, powerful reminder. We are God's people. We are not powerless. We have never been powerless. Don't meditate on what to say. The first thing to do in a scary world is remember that God's got this. We don't have to wring our hands and be overwhelmed with despair. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands is more than a song. It's our belief. 
Nothing happening in our world today comes as a surprise to God. We cannot surprise God. We cannot have a surprise birthday party for God. We cannot wake up and say, God, I'm going to surprise you today by praying longer. It's impossible to surprise God. God is not surprised by what is happening in our world today. So look to Jesus. When Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on water. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, we know what happened. He tailed it back into the boat. You and I are called to be water walkers. In such a harsh world, you and I have the opportunity to be witnesses. What we heard today, you will be my witnesses. That's what the Bible says. In synagogues, in churches, in grocery stores, wherever you happen to go, everywhere. Be my witness, says the Lord our God. Running out of wine at a wedding party? Jesus fixed it. How many of you have company coming Thanksgiving? Is that sometimes a chore to get ready for? Got to clean the house, even no one ever notices even though it's dirty after the first person stomp, stomps all over it with their shoes. Got to think of all the food. Do we have enough dishes? Anybody need dishes, by the way? We've got so many sets, we'll, give you, we'll set you right up. And you get to keep them. We do not want them back. Anybody here dreading family time? You're only doing it because it's Thanksgiving? That's the only reason you're gathering. Some families are like that. As a pastor, I've counseled several people who say, I'm going home for the holidays. And they aren't happy in the way they say it. And so we talk about it. We walk through it together. Now imagine having 5,000 people coming for Thanksgiving. Greg? you got 5,000 people coming to your house. You might want to sell yourself a bigger house. <laughs> Getting ready for 5,000 people. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus fixed it. Jesus took care of them. Every single one of them. In the Old Testament, it's one of the saddest stories. A woman and her son, the woman took the last of her oil and flour, made it into a loaf, baked it, and they ate it. And then they lied down to die. 
because there was no other flour. There was nothing coming in. They had nothing left and no way to get anything. God took care of her and her son. The army of Israel, God does not know how to plan strategy. God just knows how to win. You know, when you start off with 30,000 men and it's a pretty fair contest, and God says, no, that's way too many. And through a series of tests, whittles down the army to 300. 300 against 30,000, in God's mind, is a fair fight. We need to know that. You think your problem is 10 times bigger than anything you could handle by yourself? God's got this. God did it before. God will do it again. So easy for us to throw our hands in the air like that schoolgirl. The sky is following. No one likes me. The world is coming to an end. But God fixed it. Jesus fixed it. You know, this world's got to end sometime. But in the meantime, until that day, change the water. It's what our troops do every day. And it is our calling as well. Be Jesus. Change the world. Amen.